Welcome to First Pitches, where famous founders break down the very first version of their pitch so you can master yours. I'm Lolita Taub, co-founder and general partner at the Community Fund. And I'm Eric Bond, co-founder and general partner at Hustle Fund. Lolita, ready for some real talk with these founders? Sure, let's do it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Berkland is the recognized leader in outsourced CFO, tax, and accounting services for startups at the emerging and growth stages. As a sponsor of First Pitches, Berkland would like to offer listeners a free finance consultation. Berkland also offers important tools on its website, a financial controls matrix, finance 101 for startups, contingency toolkits, tax and marketing calculators, and other critical resources for scaling a company. Visit berklandassociates.com slash hustle. Smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. With NetSuite, you'll have the visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place. You'll have the agility to compete with anyone, work from anywhere, and run your whole company right from your phone. Join over 21,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. Get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash first pitches. Okay, listeners, what do you get when you take a trained scientist, mix in some finance work experience, and top it off with a graduate degree from Harvard Business School? You get today's guest on First Pitches, Michelle Satlin, co-founder and COO of Cloudflare, a cybersecurity company with a mission to help build a better internet. Michelle has been named a young global leader by the World Economic Forum, one of the top 15 women to watch in tech by Inc. Magazine, and featured as one of the women who rule Silicon Valley in an issue of Elle Magazine. As co-founder and COO of Cloudflare, Michelle is in a very small club of female executives who have founded public companies and the only one running one over $10 billion today. However, her journey has been anything but typical, and you're going to have to listen to find out why. Michelle, it's an honor to have you here to share your story, and we are so excited to hear your first pitch. Thanks so much, Eric and Lolita, for having me. And let me just say, start by saying, wow, that was an awesome introduction. And uh, the formula, the formula that you threw out there really, really worked. So thanks so much. That was a really nice introduction. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. And Lolita and I have been described as the flavor flave of tech, where we are really good at hyping up our guests. And <laughs> But like, really, we didn't need to do that much hype work. This is just uh, all the things that you've accomplished. So um, we're just thrilled and honored to have you here. Um, so to kick things off, we did a bunch of research on your background, and uh, we want to start with this question. So in our research, we learned that you received an awesome offer from LinkedIn in 2009, and you decided to say no to it. But not only that, on your way out, the hiring manager said, quote, you were making the biggest mistake of your life. So our first question for you, Michelle, is how did it make you feel to make the biggest mistake of your life? <laughs> right. Uh, 
Oh, as you are re, re, uh, walking me down that very nostalgic memory lane, Eric, uh, I, I kind of had a little bit of shivers because uh, it's true. I, it was the summer or it was the spring or summer of 2009. And if you think back to 2009, it was the post-economic crisis of 2008. And it was a really tough economic environment, really tough. I mean, the job environment was tough. It just was not, the mood was very cloudy, not positive in the economic business totally. environment. Kind of actually fast forward um, 11 years later, there, we're, I'm, I'm reliving some of that today with the whole global pandemic that's going on. But uh, that, it was a different time. And I had done a school project for LinkedIn and the manager through that school project that LinkedIn had kind of contracted this group of business school students to do. Um, had offered me a job at the end of it. And I did go see him in person. It was actually the cafeteria of LinkedIn. And, you know, again, LinkedIn was doing great. They were still private. They were growing. I mean, we all see the success story that has since happened 10 years later over the next 10 years. And and so when, when you say to somebody that you kind of already get to know and he was doing great there and he was already at a huge growing company and he's like, what do you mean? Like, it's almost that you, you're you being offered a seat on the rocket ship. You got to take the seat on the, get on the rocket ship. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I said, look, I he, he didn't use those words. And I was like, I, this is so hard, but like there's this idea and I don't even know where it's going to go. I don't even know where I want it to go, but I have to see where it goes. And, you know, if I was him, I'd probably say the same thing. I probably have said something like that many times um, since then to others where it's, I think that in your career, people really get analysis paralysis sometimes in making decisions. But I think he was just trying to say, really think this through. And, and I kind of said, I, I totally hear you, but I got to see where this goes. And mm-hmm. so in... I, I could have gone to LinkedIn. I think my career would have turned out just great, but the the it definitely certainly wasn't the worst decision of my life. My my life also turned out to be really really great. And so maybe the moral of the story is there's multiple paths to success in one's life. Uh, but receiving a comment like that that must have really put you on your heels for a second, right? I mean, I what it sounds like almost like it's an arrogant statement. It's uh it's a, it's a, almost like a threat. Uh, did you did it make you second guess? yourself for that moment? Yeah, no, well, you definitely second guess yourself because you think, am I making a big mistake? And really, he's a great person who said, I don't, I don't think he meant it in an arrogant way. I really think he meant it. I'm going to give him that. Like, I really think he meant it in a, like, this is really a great opportunity. You should really think it through. And and he kind of used a bit more punchier words. And, and I did kind of gasp. I was like, and I, I, I remember feeling a pit in my stomach thinking you're probably right, but even though I, like you, I, I can't have a regret where I didn't see where this goes. Like I just couldn't, I, I, I was like, I had to, I had to run down this um, idea and you know, what's kind of funny. This is um, I'll just tell you what had happened a few weeks earlier. Um, my older sister, I have two sisters. I'm really close to them. I'm really close mm. to my family and they've always been great influences and champions of mine, but they also keep me really grounded. And we were, it, it had happened a few weeks earlier and you know, this was still when Cloudflare was a business idea at, Again, I was doing my MBA and I remember we were getting ready for the business plan competition. So this is a student business plan competition. And I remember getting on the phone with Nicole, my sister, and I was going to go do a trip the weekend before. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, you have the competition on Mondays. Like, and I remember saying to my sister, hey, hey, chill out. It's just a business plan competition for students, by the way, like I can go do both. And, and I remember she was like yelling at me in the, in the phone uh, like a, a good older sister who cares would, would would do. And she's just like, this could change your life. And she's like, one day you could take this company public. Wow. And I, I don't remember kind of like rolling my eyes at her. And so 
maybe a little bit of my sister yelling at me on the phone kind of came, you know, influenced, even though this person was like, hey, this is a big opportunity. You should really take it. I was like, I know, but I got to see where this goes first. Wow. And, and, and I think that, you know, those people in your life who will tell you how it really is, and sometimes you don't really want to hear it, whether it's your, your siblings or your parents or a colleague or a friend or a life partner, or maybe a total stranger that kind of says something that you might think is kind of off cuff, but maybe rude, but turns out you're like, actually, this kind of shakes me to the core. Actually, there's been many times in my life that I feel like people have said, like, given me really direct, said really direct things to me that have changed mm. the course of my life. You know, actually, um, Michelle, and thank you so much for sharing that that story because Hung Ergen and I had actually discussed this piece of your story because we all were reminiscing over having the same experience and how many other founders actually face this when they're making that jump from the traditional path into this entrepreneurial world. So so what happened, I mean, between that moment where you're maybe thinking, is this the right thing, but I have to go do it. And then you actually go, and I understand the competition was with other, tw- I think something like 93 other mm-hmm. teams and you beat it out. Like what? what's that moment when you beat the other teams? Did that kind of cement your path to doing Cloudflare and just setting you on your path? Uh, no, it didn't actually cement, cement that, but it was a piece, it was kind of one more, um, step along the way. And, and, um, so we, I remember we, we entered the business plan competition and again, it was part of the deliverable to get credit so I could graduate. (laughs) So that's why we entered it. That was the deal. Like you (laughs) went to the school project. I love that. deliverable to get my grades, which I need, like you need to get great. You need so many credits to graduate with your, your degree was okay. Instead of taking a class, we're going to do an independent study. It's an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial independent study. And the deliverable as defined by our advisor was you have to enter the business plan competition. And there's criteria you need to enter the business plan competition, which is basically a business plan, a written business plan. You have to pitch it, right? You have that live pitch competition. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do the business plan competition to get my grade. So, so I, you know, with the, it was one of those things where great, let's, let's do that. And then um, the first round and we made it to the finals. And of course, I mean, I'm a competitive person. You're going to put your sign up sign. You're going to put your name in the hat. Of course you want to put your best foot forward. And, and Matthew, my, my classmate, my business partner, we're still running the business today. I mean, he's a really competitive person. We both wanted to win. And so we, we, we did well in the early rounds and we got it to the finals. And so you kind of, you're right. There was 90, like you said, I think 93 groups. Thanks for refreshing my memory, Lolita. It's been a while. And the finals were four teams. And so we all of a sudden there's three other teams you got to compete against. Right. And we're a really technical company. Like Cloudflare makes the internet faster, safer, and more reliable. That's a very technical business. I mean, we were built infrastructure for the internet. It's not really a traditional business plan competition type of business. And so uh, we, we, we revised our business plan based on some feedback we had gotten, put our best foot forward um, for the finals. And, you know, this is again, my sister yelling at me for going away the weekend before saying, take this more seriously. And again, we put our best foot forward and we did, we really took it seriously. We put the preparation in, which most ambitious people do. You put, you, you do the preparation and we ended up winning. And I will say that it was a much greater exhilaration and proud moment than I was expecting. Hmm. And, and um, you know, you, first of all, there's this, there was this auditorium at, on campus where, where there were something like seven or 800 people there to listen to the final pitches and to do that 
in front of your, wow. you're the winner in front of all of these folks. And what was, I think, unexpected to me was a lot of those people knew us. We had been classmates and they were cheering for our success. And you kind of just realized, wow, this is way bigger than just Matthew and I. Yeah. Like all of a sudden we had invested interest from kind of friends from campus. And then um, it was the very end of school. It was like really the last few days of school. And so after the business plan competition, winners were announced and we'd won and we were so proud and excited. We went back to our section and the way business school works at Harvard is that you, it's a big class, it's 900 people, but you get divided up into sections of 90 your first year. And so you become really close to those 90 people. You do your full full first year together. And Matthew and I were both from the same section. And so it was our section last rah-rah reunion with our professor before before the, you know, wrapping up the school year. And I remember going back to the classroom and those other 88 people all gave us a standing ovation. They were so proud. Wow. And I like, I'm tearing up even retelling the story. I don't even know if I've ever told that story. And I just remember thinking, I haven't felt like this where you have all these other people cheering you on so proud. And they genuinely were like, we, we love that our section mates won. And we love that it was you and Matthew. And like, that was just this moment where way bigger than I ever could have thought. And even then, if you'd asked me, Hey, are you starting clever? I've been like, I don't know, maybe. And I think Matthew at this point would have said, absolutely. <laughs> and I said, I think, and I was kind of more, you know, I don't know. It's just a business plan competition on campus. Like, I, how do you think wow. I'm going to go change my life plans to go do this full time. It's not, it's it, to me, it wasn't so obvious of a choice. I think for Matthew it was more obvious. And um, it just was such a different path that I was expecting. Uh, anyway, well, well for short, over the coming weeks, that's what ended up happening. And, but, but it, it was not, it was not like, oh, now I know I'm going to do it. I did not think like if we win, then I do it. It was just another feather in our cap that helped get, get me on board with like, I have to see where this goes. You know, Lilita, I I got to hear this pitch, right? Are you curious to hear what what Michelle I really, said? Yes, especially because she's just like, oh, it was just you know, it was just a school competition. I want to hear it, Michelle. Yeah. Um, so we realize, <laughs> Lilita and I realize that we're putting you in a very unfair spot. So we need to take you back into the mindset about ten years ago when you did uh, this pitch, either for this business uh, case competition or, or the, the pitch competition, or just slightly thereafter. Uh, we want to hear your elevator pitch, but remember, Michelle, back ten years ago, Barack Obama was president. Uh, Black Eyed Peas were still relevant as a musical group. Will I, I like am? Them. Uh, yeah, me too. You know, ten years ago. Uh, what else was happening ten years ago? I don't know. There's only one flavor of Red Bull back then, right? So just take yourself back to student earlier career, Michelle, and if you're ready for it. Lolita and I would love to be in the audience to hear your elevator pitch for what you described Cloudflare for what you thought it was back then. Uh, Absolutely. In my um, early iPhone iteration of my phone, I think the iPhone had just come out in 2007, 2008. So it was kind of, uh, and I was still using a Dell back then, but I've since switched to a Mac. So, so, so those are some other uh, data points. Uh, J. Crew was really hot. <laughs> I do remember that actually. I had a bunch of J. Crew things. Yeah, it did a really good job. Got some cool designers in there, and they're growing a lot. Uh, so our original pitch back in 2009 was the following, and I actually have the business plan that sometimes we pull out to to go back and go back and review. But it's uh, 
Hi everyone, I'm Michelle, this is Matthew, Cloudflare, well, and, and let us introduce Cloudflare. Cloudflare is a service that speeds up websites, helps protect them from online spammers, crawlers, and bad actors, and makes it easy to add third-party services. Why does this matter? It turns out if you run a website um, around the world, it's really hard to be fast, safe, and Cloudflare makes that easy. Um, Boom. You know, it's, it's incredible how true that ended up becoming too. Doesn't that freak you out? Yeah, well, that's the that's the that's the piece where why we sometimes pull out our business plan competition because you know our business plan you read it and it, we do that we did not pivot along and we never pivoted it's like that's what we did of course it's evolved every like every business should evolve but it's it's we do that call for today still speeds up websites and and we help protect them from cyber attacks. What was really interesting along the way, and this is something that early on one of our investors said to me, and it's, I feel like in your entrepreneurial journey, there are some moments that are forever imprinted on my brain. And there's a bunch that I've forgotten about because you just, they're so busy and you're constantly growing, you're drinking from a fire hose. There's a bunch that I've forgotten about. And sometimes people remind me of something. I'd be like, I totally forgot about that until they unlock the memory. But there's others that are imprinted. And I've told you my sister in her laundry room yelling at me saying, take this more seriously. I told you about the LinkedIn cafeteria one. I mean, those are forever imprinted. Going into my classroom at the end of winning the competition like those like I feel like I remember those so clearly um and so this is another one that I remember so clearly so it's a couple of years later and one of our investors at one of our board meetings said wow I am just so excited about Cloudflare because I'm an investor and actually Eric this might really res resonate with you let me know and he said most times we make an investment and over time the opportunity narrows and it narrows because it turns out the buying behavior is different than we expected or, com or competitors change, or maybe the, 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 the shift that's happening ends up being slightly different because it's hard to predict the future. And so most investments we would make, the opportunity narrows over time. And then what this investor said is, but the truly great investments I've done in my career are ones that have always expanded over time. And Cloudflare is definitely that. And as soon as he said that, I just remember like, yeah, that's exactly right. Because we did this. We made websites faster and we made them more secure. But we were talking about what else could we do? And it's not just websites. It's applications and it's APIs and it's your whole network stack. And and when he kind of framed it like that, I was like, that's right. We, we started here. But this is just the first chapter of a very, very long journey. Because it turns out when you're an entrepreneur and you build a company that's successful, it's a long journey. Like it, it sticks around for a long time. And so I think that our business plan has stayed the exact same. We do the exact thing, but it's expanded over time. And that's been really amazing to be part of that. Michelle, has that been organic or very intentional in terms of, hey, let's stay focused and make sure we're clearly focused on this and expanding within these bounds, as opposed to, hey, let's try this, let's try that, and having a, a shining object syndrome, as I like to call it. Right. Well, so I, you know, because we were so, I mean, in many ways, what we set out to do from the beginning was a good place to start. And so we had a lot of success early on solving those problems that we set out to, 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 to solve, which meant we kind of had less of the shiny object. It was like, let's just go do this. We have to, we say we're going to do make thing. We're going to make a, a, an, a website faster and make it more secure let's go build the product that does that. And so we followed maybe shiny objects within how to do that, which is normal. you're building, you're kind of making it up as you go. But we really stayed true to those problem sets. But when that investor said it, it was like 2012 that he said that, 
it kind of gave us permission to think, okay, what else? Like, we're not going to do this for the next 10 years. If we're still just doing that 10 years from now, clearly we will have not um, taken advantage of the opportunity that was developing in front of us. And so that kind of gave us the permission to think creatively and be like, wow, what else could we do based on what we've already done? And and so we started to think about it from a really early time. Again, not 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 day two, but kind of like two three years in, we started thinking, what else? And we started to build towards that. And now you look today, Cloudflare does a lot of things. We still do performance, still do security. We do a lot on reliability. We um, not just for internet properties, so websites, apps, and APIs, but we also do it for employees of those companies. So we have, um, you know, instead of identity and access management for employees, we make it easy for you to access information inside your company or to surf online inside your company without bringing um, malware back into your business that you'll never see in our original business plan. Mm. There are natural places for us to extend to based on some of our core strategic um, technology we had built. And I think what sometimes I see happen is they don't, someone hasn't thought about that and entrepreneurs find their first place and they get, can grow really quickly by doing that one thing really, really well, which is awesome. But then they run out of runway. They run out of market to go after and then there's a bunch of companies who do one thing really well, and you can build a big success story, but then they have a, they almost have like a midlife crisis of what do I do next? An yeah. identity crisis of how do we extend? And it's how do you find something that will be just as big as the first one or even better? And, and I both come with pros and cons because one is focus, easier to focus, easier to grow quick. But it's really, I think, stressful to be like, how do we follow that act? How do I find a, something that's just as good as the first one? I feel like mm-hmm. that's a hard, tricky thing. Whereas what we did was, Hey, we had a good start. And then pretty early we started to think, what else could we do? And we started to plant those seeds along the way. So they're blossoming at different Mm. times. And that means we have a lot more to do at once, but I never worry about what should we do next? I mean, we have, we have that in spades. You know, we would love to hear a little bit about how your background as a research scientist affects your decision-making because we were obsessed in, in a, our discussion with Hung, the producer, Lolita and myself about how cool it is to see someone who comes from this, like the, the real hard sciences uh, becoming a, a founder. And, you know, my guess is you're trained on the scientific method, <laughs> you know, like just like we did in high school, but probably to, uh, you know, ex- extreme sophistication in your training. Um, you know, is there anything that you're drawing from those experiences when you consider the strategy moving forward and reinventing yourself over and over and over again, potentially, or, or deciding to stick with your DNA? Uh, well, you know, I think early on, I really was drawn to science. I mean, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I love science for so many different ways. I, I was a chemist. I, I did a, I, I did my undergrad degree as a chemist and so I have a chemistry degree. And one of the things I really loved about chemistry was it explains the why. Like it, it basically explains how things work in the world in lots of different in lots of different ways. And then there's a whole bunch we don't know yet. And it, you, a lot of science, a lot of chemists are trying to figure that out and figure mm-hmm. out why it works that way. But I just love that it that there was always kind of like the why, and it really was very practical. And and technology is really similar. Like there is when you write code, it either runs or it doesn't run. And there's a reason why it doesn't run. And if you can, you might have a hard time figuring out why it's not running, but as soon as you find it, you unlock it. And all of a sudden you create all this value. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that quest for 
finding, like figuring out the why and making it work. Like I love it. I found that in science and I find that in technology. Like I just absolutely love the thrill of that, but uh, where, where there's, um, you know, in chemistry, there's a, you run an experiment. So you start an experiment, you know, you measure it along the way and then you end the experiment and you find a finding. Business and technology is the same way. You start a project, you have a middle and you ship something. If you're never shipping, you're definitely not building. And so I like this like start, middle and start, middle end notion. And you might have to run a new experiment or set something else up, but like it's constantly, you're kind of doing and trying to make progress against what you're doing. So I, those are two pieces that I love. You know, the, so, so, and I think that carries over really, 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 really well. You know, for me as a scientist, like chemistry, you're like, why did I end up there? I like those things, but really I wanted to be a doctor. Mm. And why do I want to be a doctor is, oh, I thought I got to work with really smart people and help people and help people. Like I think of doctors as helping people. And I think now during this global pandemic, COVID-19, you just think, thank God we have these first responders. Like I'm so happy people choose the medical professions because we all really depend on them right now to get through this. And that's amazing. And what I also love about technology, which is has a similar bent to that, is what I find with technology is you're building a solution that helps people at scale, right? It's not one patient at a time. You're building something, you're creating something that solves a meaningful problem for people usually. And they're like, thank you so much for making my life better. And so I get that same satisfaction of what I thought I'd get out of medicine, which is why I was studying science in, in technology. And those are the stories where I feel like technology is the best, where it's like, wow, sometimes, you know, Matthew and I used to say, um, and there was a third co-founder, Lee, so he's not at the company anymore, but Matthew, Lee, and I started Cloudflare. And, you know, we used to say when we were smaller, now we're, you know, north of 1,300 people, so less, less less small. But, you know, when we were kind of 60 people sitting in San Francisco, and I thought, and at the time we had millions of, million, we were helping millions of helping millions of people's internet experience around the world be fast, safe, and reliable. And I thought there are 60 of us in San Francisco that created something that makes internet better for a lot of people. And that was just so rewarding, like really rewarding. Mm -hmm. And so I think those are the pieces of technology and my career that have kind of translated both the hard skills of science and then why I was in there to here. Um, So I love that. I will say, the last thing I'll say is, I hope scientists get like uh, the rock star status. The one thing I feel like tech entrepreneurs get such amazing coverage and celebration. And early on, I thought it was I was really uncomfortable with it. But actually, it turns out it's really helpful when you're building your company that that the media and that even like you and Lolita have set up a podcast like this. And you interview these people like it kind of helps build momentum behind all these businesses. I want the same for science because I think there's a lot of amazing science that is in the research, but it's got to commercialize more. And I think sometimes I think I hope scientists are the next rock stars and maybe it's not necessarily tech entrepreneurs. Amen to that. You know, it feels like in these circumstances that we're living in today, this is a summer of 2020 as of this recording pandemic here. Um, There's these movies, I think, that were popular back when you were pitching Cloudflare for the first time in business school where a scientist has a key piece of truth that he or she is trying to uh, impart to the government military official <laughs> to pay attention to. And then uh, whoever is the president or something at the time says like, oh, whatever, Mr. Scientist or Mrs. Miss Scientist, uh, you know, whatever. And of course, like, you know what the, how the rest of the movie goes. We have a global pandemic and so forth. It's, it's, a, it's incredible that, um, it's an incredible observation, right? That, uh, you know, one path of where Michelle could have gone could have been um, one that is facing so much friction today, 
right? Like find, fighting for scientific truth. And then uh, there's another path that fortunately you're in today, which is really, really celebrated and rightfully so. Um, I don't know. I'm still trying to process that. Lolita, do you have, like, what's your reaction to what just Michelle just shared with us? I mean, she's a rock star, obviously. Well, uh, no, I, one, one thing that, one thing that, one thing that you shared is this, this, uh, there seems to be a threat of you really caring about making an, a, a human impact to a large group of people. And, and I learned that you're also a young global leader for the world economic forum. I'm a, a global shaper actually. So I, Hey, I like, it's so awesome that you are a young global leader and I, I see why, um, based on your experiences and and as you see where you stand today, do you feel that you're right where you want to be making that impact in the world or how do you see it kind of expanding? Because I do think technology is a very powerful place. In fact, that's why I'm in it as well, because I think it has such a powerful force of democratizing and bringing a lot of opportunity to folks. And I'm just really curious, you know, outside of just even maybe, maybe within or outside of Cloudflare, what are your feelings about that making that bigger impact um, in general through different things you do in your life, Michelle? Yeah, no, you know, I think um, uh, that's a really, um, I think this is a good point. So I remember when we were starting Cloudflare before the, the, the chapter before Cloudflare, uh, Matthew and I, we knew each other. We were classmates at school and he's like the idea print press. <laughs> so you need an idea, you go go sit next to Matthew prints at a, at a wine bar and he will happily print out many ideas. He just like generates them, spews them all the time. But, and and I think there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs listening who have that, that it's a talent. They can just find up, dream up the next idea, the next business idea. What about this? What about that? And that, that is a real talent. I don't know if I have that talent and, and that's okay. And I just remember he would, he would print out his ideas, um, like verbally. And, and, and there are many times where I was like, Hey, that's a really good idea. That's actually, there's a business here, but I don't want to work on that. I'm not proud Mm. to be a part of that. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I, because before business school, I'd done a lot of different things. I'd worked at big companies, small companies, financial research. I had done lots of different things. And what I learned through that kind of exploration of trying different things was, I want to do something that I'm proud to get up every day and do. I don't want to be just part of a profitable business. Like I, like I, I think I believe in businesses. I want to be part of a profitable business that's doing something I believe in. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to me. And I, and again, I didn't know what exactly that meant. And then I said, Hey, I want to go join a company that's doing something important to me. And people are like, well, what, what's the list of things? I was like, well, I, would, I think a lot of things could be important. So it's not that it's kind of maybe the list of things I'm not interested in. Um, but it's, but otherwise that's like a pretty open-ended sort of thing. And so that was one of the filters that I used to use um, as I was trying to think about what to do next. And so I was thinking about that from a career standpoint of, Hey, I wanted to go do something where I was really proud of the work that that company was doing. And, and, uh, and so it, I kind of applied my lens that I had in my head to, to Matthew's printing presses of ideas. And I just remember saying, no, I'm not, I, that I like, I actually think that's a good business. You could, I think that makes a lot of sense. I just don't want to spend my time or effort doing that. And so when, when Cloudflare was something we were batting around and it was this idea of like, wow, if I can help make the internet more secure for small businesses around the world, cause that's really kind of where we thought about starting at developers around the world mm-hmm. and eventually to larger organizations, nonprofits, globally around the world, I was like, 
I would be proud to say that I helped do that. Like that seems like a, you know, like that's a way to make impact. And today Cloudflare's mission is to help build a better internet. It's kind of evolved. We've, we've, we've kind of lived that it's emerged through what we've done through our actions as a business. And, you know, you, you go ask everyone at Cloudflare and they're all really proud of that mission. And that's why they're there. And it's true. Like anybody who works at Cloudflare can work anywhere they want. Right. And trust me, people are asking them all the time, just like you or everyone and most people in tech are highly employable. And so it's really voting with your your time of where you choose you want to make an impact. It's not just a job. It's way more than a job. And so I love that. It's like you should have a job. You should do it towards a cause that you're excited about making the impact you want. And so for me, that was important for others. It's not. And so that's not like a black and white. Like I, I don't espouse that to others, but it was important to me that I was like, whatever I do sign up for, I want to be. I want to be proud of the work and the impact that we could be delivering if we actually are successful. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because I feel exactly the same way. And I think sometimes um, when I share, I want to be part of something that makes impact. There's this first stereotype of, oh, you want to do something that's nonprofit. And I'm like, no, no, you no. I'm a capitalistic person. <laughs> I'm a capitalist. But so it's really refreshing. And, and thank you for sharing that. Um, well, I, I know that Cloudflare is getting ready to celebrate its 10-year anniversary. And wow, congratulations to that. Amazing. And, and, and I know that there are founders out there that are just getting started or in the middle of their tenure at their companies. And I'm sure they're all thinking, how do we also aspire to celebrate 10 years like Cloudflare? Cloudflare. What what would you say to these founders as they're getting off the ground and aiming for that 10 year and even beyond mark? Yeah, no, thank you so much. It is it, it is amazing. It is um, a little surreal that'll be our 10 year anniversary. You know, I was all I was in your all of your seats like literally 10 years ago. That was me. I going listen tuning into podcasts like this, going to events, listening to people a few years ahead of me saying huh, how do I take learnings from that person to become successful? And if I could go back to myself when I was sitting in, in the audience to some of these um, many events that I went to and learning, because it's a huge learning curve early. And now it was like, if you solve a meaningful problem, almost everything becomes a little bit easier. And the chance, the, the risk rate, the risk the risk reward ratio of you being able to get to 10 years in business is a little bit higher because at the end of the day, like if you, you can, you can kind of pivot along for one, two, three years, trying to figure out how you're going to solve a meaningful problem for customers, but you can't go 10 years without actually finding a fit and actually delivering value and creating revenue and building a team. Like 10 years is, you know, it means you've, you've done something, you, you have customers, you're, they're, they're signing up for you because you solve a problem for them. You have people on your team who are helping you do that. And it all stems back to me is, did we solve a meaningful problem? Do we solve a meaningful problem? Because if you are, then people are willing to try it at first. And if you have a first customers, if you get a few customers and you're going to get more customers and you get more customers and you're going to have many customers and soon you're going to have, wow, I have a lot more customers than I thought I ever would. And, and that's, that's what you need for a business. So I think it's really about solving a meaningful problem. And, you know, sometimes I meet a lot of entrepreneurs and they're just so clever. They're so smart. And, 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 but like, it's almost like they can wrap their hands and explain every single piece of their idea. Like they can almost like, it's almost like they, it's like tightly fits into a really nice box that they vote up and they're like, here's my plan and here's what we're doing. Yeah, we're going to be huge. It's almost like then you're not thinking big enough. It's not a big enough and meaningful problem. It's almost better to say we're onto something and we don't, 
where I, the, the string is unraveling and I'm pulling on it more and I just know there's more there and I can't articulate what's next, but that's when you feel like you're in a business for 10 years, I think. Um, so, so sometimes I mean, entrepreneurs, I'm like the things that you can feel and answer every single thing to, I'm like, it's probably not, it's probably not meaningful enough. That means someone else might already be doing it, or you're probably not going to be doing it for 10 years. Like it'll, mm. it'll, it'll unravel really quickly. Um, and so that's the one thing, solve a meaningful problem. And I think if you do that, um, you're going to be on a path where you're tilting the risk rate, risk reward ratio in your favor. Wow. This is so great. Thank you so much for sharing all these stories. Uh, we've been talking to Michelle Zatlin, the co-founder and COO of Cloudflare. You know, every single company that I've ever started personally, I actually use Cloudflare as one of the first steps to protecting my sites and speeding them up. And I've been a grateful customer at Hustle Fund, the vast majority of our 170 businesses that we invest in also are using Cloudflare, which reminds me, I should probably reach out to Michelle for some sort of group discount at some point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this has been such an inspiring story. Lolita, I mean, I had such a great time uh, listening to what Mel- Michelle said. Uh, thank you so much for joining us at First Pitches today. Thank you so much for having me. This, you guys, I, I was joking with you off air, but I'm going to say it on air. Really, I think, I think Lolita and Eric for the next ma- major TV uh, hit. Uh, you, you, you guys have great personalities and amazing interviewers. Uh, you might be the next Oprah. <gasps> wow. You were the first one to say it. Maybe this will be an anecdote that we remember forever, Michelle. So thank you for that. You got uh, the universe sometimes and it maybe it'll come true. Someone might be listening and saying, actually, they would be the great next Oprah. This We need more of this. So I really, <laughs> I, I do a lot of these things. You're both super talented. So thank you so much. This was really fun for me. Let, thank you for letting me relive some pretty nostalgic moments and really to all the entrepreneurs listening, yeah. all the success. And I'm excited to see everything that you create and problems you solve and the value you, you create in the world. Keep going. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to First Pitches. For show notes and more, visit our website, firstpitches.com, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and never miss an episode. First Pitches is produced and edited by Hong Pham. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate our show and leave us a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Frank Rimmerman is a public accounting firm whose history is closely intertwined with that of Silicon Valley. With humble beginnings similar to so many startups, Frank Rimmerman was formed with a desire to serve the entrepreneurial and venture communities of the Valley, supporting those who think outside the box. This is what the Frank Rimmerman team told us at first pitches. Even we agree accounting work can be boring. That's why we chose to work with some of the most innovative and creative people, people who are changing the world around us every day. Their excitement fuels our passion and determination to grow and serve this special community. Frank Rimmerman is the entrepreneurial CPA firm. Check them out at frankrimmerman.com slash startup services. I'd like to introduce you to a team that every founder should know about. It's GS Futures. GS Futures is a new multi-stage VC fund that launched just this year, investing into teams at early seed all the way through Series D. This team spun off from the GS Group in Korea, a legendary enterprise representing assets in retail, consumer, energy, and much more. 
GS Futures is actively seeking and investing into great hustlers. Go to their website right now, gsfutures.vc, and tell them what you're up to. I think you'll be excited to partner with them.